Good morning. Good to see you this morning. And kids, really excited you guys are in here with us. I can tell you're excited too. But hey, really glad just to be with all of you. Welcome to all of you joining us online. Really glad you can be with us today too, wherever you're at and watching from. And uh, if you don't know me, my name is Josh and I'm one of the pastors here. And if you hear it in my voice, um, we'll see how this goes today. So I've been hacking and coughing. I'm, I'm on drugs, which I gotta be careful how I say that. But uh, I should be okay. And I feel okay other than my voice right now. So it's pretty rough. But hey, we've been in a series uh, through the New Testament book of Acts. And last Sunday, we took a short detour from Acts, started a short detour, I should say, uh, to look at the man Peter, the apostle Peter in the New Testament and figure out, you know, we've seen him be incredibly bold. We've seen him um, heal people. We've seen him have incredible faith. But how did he get to be like that? Uh, was he always like that? The truth was he, he wasn't always like that. Um, I mean, Peter was always bold, but sometimes a lot of his boldness was just his personality more than anything else coming through. And there's a big difference between a God-dependent boldness and just a boldness of personality. Do you know what I mean? Well, let me see if I can help just a little bit here. Um, some of the difference here between the two. Uh, first off, a, a God-dependent boldness is, is just that. It's dependent on God. It's, it, it relies on the Spirit, on the Holy Spirit to enable you to be bold. You, you might need that this week. If you're thinking, hey, I wanna invite somebody to come to Easter next Sunday, but I don't know if I've got it in me to ask them or really say something. Maybe you'd pray for God to give you boldness to be able to just, just invite them. Say, come and see like Peter, like uh, Jesus did to Peter and the others last week we saw. But then there's also kind of a personality-based boldness. And uh, sometimes uh, that kind of boldness sometimes can just rely on yourself. It's just who you are. And that's good. God made you that way, if you're that way. But the other difference here between a God-based boldness and sometimes just a personality one is a God-based boldness finds its true security in Christ. I'm secure because of Jesus. Even if I go out in boldness and I do this, if it all goes south, it's okay, because Jesus has me. But if I work simply from myself in my boldness, a lot of times, not always, but often I think a boldness like that can sometimes really mask some deep insecurity. And we're just being bold because if we're not, then they're gonna really see who I am, you know? Well, today we see Peter, a time in Peter's life where the boldness of his personality, the way God made him, really fell short. And uh, some of his insecurity was deeply revealed. Now, uh, when you put these two things together though, when you put together Peter's boldness in terms of his personality and who he is, and a boldness that's dependent on the spirit, later then you see Peter just on fire and God doing incredible things. Through, through him in that way. The key for us is to be dependent on God. So with that in mind, uh, I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna jump into the text this morning. Sound good? Father, thank you for Jesus. And Lord, thank you for the ways that you empower us with your spirit. Uh, you give us gifts to be able to serve you and uh, honor you and care for others. <clears throat> and Lord, uh, 
uh, for a number of us, you gave us a, a bold personality too um, in, in just how you've wired us. And that's a great thing. But Lord, for all of us, whether that's who we are by nature or not, help us to be dependent on you. And to see in Peter, a man who uh, really fails like we do, and yet whom uh, you still love and still died for and still restore. So Holy Spirit, help me as I teach your word. Uh, Pray too, even just for my voice to make it this morning. And uh, we look forward to a good day in Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, we just finished uh, taking the Lord's Supper together. And so I thought today, let's, uh, let's pick up the story uh, leading into, uh, it's actually during this week, during the Passion Week, leading into Jesus' crucifixion in Matthew chapter 26. If you got your Bible, you can turn there with me. Matthew chapter 26. And uh, this was the time when uh, Jesus celebrated the Last Supper with them and really instituted it and gave the command why we celebrate it together. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take and eat, this is my body. It represented his body that apart from him, he had also said on the same time, if you don't abide in me in John 15 and I in you, you can't do anything. So take and eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. And then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and he said, drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, this is kind of cool. I tell you, I will not drink of it again, this fruit of the vine again until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. The next time Jesus uh, breaks bread and drinks wine, we'll be with him. Wouldn't that be cool to celebrate communion with Jesus physically in that way? And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. They sang a hymn, they, they took off for the Mount of Olives, which was just across a ravine from where they were in Jerusalem. And then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I'll go before you to Galilee. They had just celebrated communion with Jesus. They just celebrated the Lord's Supper, Passover. And as they're leaving, they get to the Mount of Olives a short walk away. Uh, Jesus said, you're all gonna fall away. What would be going through your mind in that moment if you'd been following Jesus? for the last few years of your life. But Peter, maybe you would have been like Peter. Peter answered him, Lord, though they all fall away, I won't fall away. These guys, I I get it. I can see why you're saying they're gonna fall away, but not me. I'm gonna make it. I'll be okay. That's Peter, right? And there's this boldness. That's just just Peter. We talked about him last week, his personality. You, You gotta love that about him. He's so relatable in that way. But then Jesus says to him, he says, truly, Peter, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, which means before morning, right? You'll deny me three times. I wonder what Peter was thinking at that. Here's his reply. He said to him, even if I must die, no, I won't deny you. 
And then uh, all the other disciples kind of following Peter's boldness, shining through kind of his leadership. All of them, all of them said the same thing. Yeah, we're not gonna deny you. No way. You know, um, this is probably a good example of Peter's personal boldness shining through because he was going to fail, wasn't he? He totally was going to fail. But you know what? Jesus saw it coming. He saw it coming. It didn't catch him by surprise. Have you ever started off with great intentions only to fail? You know, you had really good intentions about something you were gonna do, but then it all just went south. Um, Or you made a bold claim only to see it totally wither away right before your eyes. That was Peter in this moment. I mean, Peter really believed, he really did, that he would endure to the end. He was really ready, in his spirit at least, to to die for Christ. He thought he would fight it through, that, that none of what's about to happen would actually happen. I mean, think about it. Peter actually even had rebuked Jesus in recent days, saying, uh, what are you talking about all this suffering for? You gotta stop that. That's not gonna happen. I mean, he, he, he had great intentions. He was passionate, but he would still fail. And you know what? Jesus saw it coming because he's God and he knows and nothing catches him by surprise. Uh, and you know, there's a couple of things he sees coming. He saw the bad coming in Peter first, right? I mean, uh, look at verse 31. Uh, again, Peter or Jesus said to them, uh, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it's written, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. You will all fall away. He he didn't miss it. Everyone in that group was gonna fall away from him. They were all gonna flee. And then, you know, Peter comes back with boldness. No, even though they all deny you, Lord, I won't. There's no way. I'm gonna make it. And Jesus is like, Peter, like tonight, you're not gonna make it through the night, through the next 12 hours. He saw the bad coming, didn't he? I know Peter, you know, I mean, the boldness of his personality had rubbed off. They all said they weren't gonna fall away, but Jesus saw it coming. He predicted that they would all fall away, just like Peter. They had great intentions, but sure enough, you know, they'd all fall and they would all flee. We're gonna see that in the text here shortly. You know, I would guess if you look back on your life, And I know if I look back on mine and you think about some of your worst decisions, did you plan for those? Did you set out in life and go, yeah, I'm gonna really screw up there. I'm gonna shipwreck my life here. You know, I'm, I'll never, you you probably thought if I'd have told you that, if you could go back and even tell yourself in the past, your, your past self would probably say, I'd never do that, not me. I'll, I'll, never, I'll, I'll never betray my spouse. I'll, I'll never fall into that addiction. I'll, I'll never leave the church. I'll never fill in your own never right there. You, you probably wouldn't have set out and thought that, would you? No one would. And you may not have seen it coming, but do you know Jesus did? He saw it coming. 
And the good news is, he loves you anyway. He loved you before that, even seeing that coming. That's how deep his love is for you and for me, and for Peter, for that matter. He saw the bad coming, but he also saw, um, well, uh, let me just read here from Psalm 139. Your eyes, the psalmist writes, God, you saw my unformed substance and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. He knew, didn't he? And he still loves you and he still loves me. That's, that's pretty profound when you think about it. But he not only saw the bad coming, he also saw the good all the days that were written for you, he saw. He saw the good too. I mean, when, you know, when Luke records this and uh, Jesus tells Peter, Peter, you're gonna fall away. He also includes some good news that I think a lot of times gets overlooked. Um, uh, look at Luke chapter 22. Uh, Simon, Simon, Jesus says to Peter, he says, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Right after this, you know, he tells him, but you're gonna fail overnight. I've been praying that it wouldn't, but I know you're going to before the rooster crows, but check this out. But, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus saw that he was also going to turn back. So even if he saw your failure, he also saw your response. And he knew that he would work in you to turn you back. And he knew that about Peter. Isn't that great news? He predicted Peter would come out of it. That while he would fail, he would, he would rebound too. Friends, it's the same for you and me. It totally is. Our faults and failures, they never, ever catch Jesus off guard. They never do. He sees it coming and he knows. And he also has plans then that when we've turned again, He'll take even the worst of our failures and work it ultimately for good. How does that work? I have no idea, but he does it over and over and over. And in the moment you're thinking, I don't know if I can turn back. I'm telling you, if you turn back, he's not gonna make that thing good. It's still gonna hurt. It's still gonna be there, but he's gonna work the, even the consequences of it for good in your life. When you've turned again, Peter, when you come back, strengthen the brothers. And he'd say the same to you. You know, God has dreams and plans for your life. You're his workmanship, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, right? His, his poem, his work of art, his masterpiece. He's been planning good things for you to do since eternity past. He's been dreaming about your life. You know, we're to walk in them, we're to walk in the spirit, make no mistake. But even when we don't, God is bigger than our failures. He's bigger than Peter's failures, isn't he? I mean, the, the famous verse from Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Now he's speaking this to Israel, right? But the principle still applies to us. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you future and a hope. Now, when God said that, he didn't like not yet see the future and know all the ways we would still sin, did he? No. In fact, do you know when he says this to the people of Israel? 
right after they've totally blown it and they've been taken into exile. And God's like, listen, I I know the plans I have for you. I know you made a really stupid choice and it really hurts right now, but I have good plans for you. I'm gonna give you a future. I have a hope for you. It's gonna get better. Turn again to me. That's the idea, do you see? All you have to do is turn again. He would even work those things for good. Even the hard consequences, friend, turn again. We're gonna see Peter do that. Uh, We're gonna see him turn again. We'll see it actually next Sunday. But Jesus saw it that Peter would deny him. He saw it coming that Peter would deny him. Said it a hundred times already probably. And it didn't catch him off guard. So here's what we're gonna do. Right now, uh, I'm gonna go from that passage up to the point where uh, we really wanna dive in a little deeper today with Peter when he actually denies Jesus. But I think it's helpful for us to kind of set the scene. So uh, just so you know, I'm gonna read a bunch of scripture right here, okay? And so it'll all be on the screen. You can follow along in your Bible. You can follow along with me. I might stop and make a couple comments here and there, but I'm gonna read a bunch until we get to the end of chapter 26 in Matthew. Sound good? Here we go. Then Jesus went with, went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Last Sunday, we looked at, at Peter and his brother Andrew and then John and James, two brothers who were the sons of Zebedee. They were all kind of Jesus' best friends on this earth. And they were all four really good friends with each other from the time they were little. That's who's going with Jesus right now. He's kind of taking Peter and John and James. And then uh, he begins to be really sorrowful with those he's closest with. And he said to them, my soul, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here, watch with me. And then going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed. Uh, One of the gospel writers says he was about a stone's throw away. So it gives you an idea of how much farther he went from them. And he starts praying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. The cup of Jesus' crucifixion on the cross that was about to happen the next day. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, Jesus prayed. And he came to the disciples. He came back and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, you, you couldn't stay awake for an hour? Watch and pray, Peter, that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. You've got a lot of boldness, but the problem is your flesh is weak. It's weak. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed and he prayed again, my father, if, if this cannot pass until I drink it, your will be done. And then again, he came back and he found them sleeping. Their eyes were heavy. It had been a long day. It was the middle of the night. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying these words again. And then he came to the disciples and he said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See the hours at hand, the, the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's get going. My betrayer is at hand, he's coming. 
And while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the 12. And with him, a great crowd with swords and clubs. Now, um, he comes with... um, different officials, tons of people. It's, in my mind, I always just kind of pictured, oh, maybe there were like 20 people who came, right? I think this is probably a great crowd. Maybe, maybe upwards of hundreds of people coming, following Judas with swords and clubs to arrest Jesus. From the chief priests and the elders of the people, now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, The one I kiss, he's the man. He's the one you want, seize him. See, previous to this, if you don't maybe know the story, Judas was one of the 12. When they were celebrating the Last Supper, uh, he fled to go betray Jesus and he was paid 30 pieces of silver uh, to betray him into the hands of those who wanted to kill him. And he tells him, the one I kiss, he's the one you want. And he came up to Jesus at once and he said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. You kind of want to punch him, don't you? Like just the way that he, he comes and says, oh, greetings. And Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. They came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest on the ear, cutting off his ear. John tells us that that someone was Peter. (laughs) Remember Peter? He was was ready to go. He had failed by sleeping and so he's gonna make it up, isn't he? He's gonna grab the sword and he's going for it and he goes after this guy. And now remember there was a great crowd that all had swords and clubs versus Peter. And he cuts off his ear and uh, I believe it's Luke who tells us, Luke or Mark tells us that Jesus healed him, put the ear back on him. And and he says, uh, put your sword back into its place. All who who take the sword will perish by the sword. This isn't the time to fight, Peter. Do you think that I can't appeal to my father and he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? But then how would the scriptures be fulfilled? That it must be so. At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching. You didn't seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then do you notice what happens? All the disciples left him and fled. They all took off. Every one of them. Then those who seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered and Peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest. See, everybody else fled, but what we read here and what we read in John is that Peter and John kind of followed from behind from a distance. We don't read anything about everybody else. 
So even we're gonna see Peter deny Jesus, he gets a little bit of credit for actually stepping into it, doesn't he? And following. Peter followed him at a distance and as, as far as the courtyard of the high priest and going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death, but they found none. Though many false witnesses came forward, at last two came forward and said, this man said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, have, have you no answer to make to Jesus? What is it that these Men testify against you. But Jesus remained silent and the high priest said to him, I assure you by the living God, tell us if you're the Christ, if you're the son of God. Just be clear. Is that who you are? And Jesus said, you've said so. See the claim that Jesus was just a good guy, a nice guy, he was, but you can't ignore the fact that the reason he ends up getting murdered is because he wouldn't quit declaring himself to be God. And so he either truly is God or he's crazy. And he goes, I tell you from now on, you'll see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. It's a declaration of his deity. And then the high priest tore his robes and said, he's uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You've now heard his blasphemy. What's your judgment? They answered, he deserves death. And then they spit in his face and struck him and some slapped him saying, prophesy to us, you Christ, you Messiah. Who is it that struck you? And then we get... Peter's denials. All this is happening. Peter's watching from a distance, kind of uh, keeping a low profile. And we read now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him. John tells us that she actually opened the door to let him into the courtyard. And she says, hey, you, were, you also were with Jesus, the Galilean, weren't you? Servant girl means she's probably middle school age, maybe high school age. But he denied it before them all. He said, I, I, no, I don't know what you mean. There's one. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. And she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, one of the accounts reads then uh, one of those bystanders came up to him too and asked who he was. And again, Peter denied it with an oath. He said, I, I don't know the man. I, I swear, I don't know him. I don't know him. There's two. And after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them. Uh, for your accent, it betrays you that you're from Galilee. John tells us this guy was actually a relative of the guy whose ear Peter cut off. 
it's your accent. You know, it'd be like somebody from the South around here. You, you got a little draw. You know, he could tell he was from Galilee. And uh, then he began to invoke a curse on himself. And he said, I, no, I swear. I mean, I don't know the man. There's three. And then immediately the rooster crowed. So it gives you an idea of how late into the night this is on the break of dawn. And at that moment, Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Luke tells us that in that moment, as Peter was watching, Jesus turned and looked at him. And then Peter went out and he wept bitterly. You've been in that spot where you know your failure is deep and your sin is deep and you just weep. You just weep and you're broken. That's where Peter was in this moment. But Matthew also writes in verse 56 that not only did Peter fail, everyone else did too. I mean, it wasn't just Peter who denied him. I mean, I mentioned, as if anything, Pete gets some credit for following him that far, but other than John, the rest are never mentioned. Then all of the disciples left him and fled. They all left him and fled. Peter gets the bad press, but they all denied him. And you know what? Under the right circumstances, so would every one of us including the guy on the stage in this room. We all would. And so maybe the best thing to look at when we look at Peter's denials is not just his denials, but the ways all of us deny him at times too, because we do. It's not just that Peter would deny him that Jesus saw coming. He saw that Peter and I would deny him. What are some ways maybe... Um, you have, you know, believe it or not, we all do deny God at times. And there's more than one way to deny him. And I figured, well, since Peter denied him three times, let's just look at three ways we can deny the Lord. First, sometimes we can um, deny that Jesus really is who he says he is. That Jesus really is who he says he is. You know, there, there's a lot of people in our world who, who think of themselves as being spiritual even religious people, they believe God exists. They, um, they attempt to worship him in their own way. Maybe they even see Jesus as a good man, a great teacher, a great prophet who's from God. But if they don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is, they're denying him. You know, before the, before the high priest, Jesus was accused of blasphemy for declaring himself to be God. But in reality, it was everyone else there who was uh, who was committing blasphemy by, by not recognizing he was God. Do you ever deny Jesus is who he really says he is? Before you became a Christian, you probably did. But maybe you're still struggling with that a little bit today, I don't know. Uh, John writes this though, Jesus' friend, he says, who's the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the, this is the antichrist, he who denies the father and the son. 
he's, he's saying, you're the antichrist if you deny that. No one who denies the son has, seen, has the father. Whoever confesses the son has the father also. Rejecting Jesus is rejecting God. I kind of alluded, it, alluded to it earlier, but C.S. Lewis you know, has that famous quote of Jesus either being lunatic, liar, or Lord. I mean, he declares himself to be God. So either he really is God, he really is Lord, or he's a lunatic on, on par with somebody who thinks they're a block of cheese, right? Or he's just a liar because of, think of all the things he told us to do, to pray to him, to worship him, to give to him. It, it can't be that just he was a good man. Do you deny Jesus really is who he says that he is? You gotta land on one of those options. The other way sometimes we deny him is by not acknowledging Jesus before others, denying him before others. This is one maybe um, most of us in this room anyway are probably more guilty of. You know, um, maybe we confess Jesus as Lord in our hearts, but we can still deny him and be ashamed of him before other people, can't we? It can be intimidating. And you know, if you're in that spot, you're not alone. Peter, a guy who spent four years of his life walking around Israel with Jesus, denied him. Under the right circumstances, any of us would. And we live in a culture that is just increasingly hostile towards religion. Uh, just this week, some of the shootings in Nashville. And you know what a lot of the outcry was against it? There was plenty against the shooter and how evil it was, but there was also quite a bit, if you read the media, of just that this was a revenge thing because... Uh, she was upset about how she'd been brought up in a Christian home, according to Christian values. And, that, and basically they were kind of subtly blaming Christians for the fact that this person murdered Christians. We live in a hostile time. It's gonna be easier and easier to deny him, harder and harder to follow him. Jesus says, everyone who acknowledges me though before men, I will acknowledge before my father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I'll also deny before my father who's in heaven. This is a bit of a terrifying verse, isn't it? I wonder if Peter had these words come back to his mind in the moments when he was weeping bitterly. See, there's good news though here too, right? Because... Yeah, we deny him. But Jesus also welcomes us back. Turn again. Turn again. And this is where God-dependent boldness comes into play, like we discussed at the top of the message, right? See, just a personal boldness where I'm relying on myself. I'm, it's so rare the times I'm gonna kind of amp myself up enough to finally do it. I've got to rely on God. Peter's insecurity was revealed in front of a young girl there when he denied Christ, wasn't it? But later when we see him fully reliant on the spirit, he is unbelievably bold. 
but he wasn't relying on himself in those moments. There's a third way that we deny Jesus and that's with our hypocrisy. Um, Sometimes, you know, you might feel like you're doing pretty good. I might feel like I'm doing good. I'm confessing Jesus. I'm proud to say I'm a Christian. I I tell other people about him. Um, But then uh, maybe I'm the only one. You do something that's totally antithetical to what you say. (laughs) And you're a hypocrite. That's one of the biggest complaints people have about the church, younger generations. Oh, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, we'll take a few more. We all are. We deny Jesus in this way. And so the key is again, to turn again, to repent, to recognize, yeah, sometimes I'm a hypocrite. I'm a big one. I mean, uh, your words may acknowledge Jesus, but your works deny him. My work's denying, I'm not loving others. I'm not obeying like I should. I'm not maybe bearing fruit. I'm not sacrificing and giving resources to others like I'm called to. I'm not seeking God in his word. And I make myself a hypocrite. How about you? But the good news is uh, Jesus continues to change you as you turn back to him. It's not the end. It might explain some things, but it's not the end your failure. Because here's the most amazing truth of the morning that we're gonna leave with. Jesus saw it coming that Peter and I would deny him. Yet, he died for him anyway. He died for him anyway. And he died for me anyway. He saw it all coming. He saw the bad, he saw the good. He saw all the ways that that Peter would deny him, all the ways that Josh would deny him, that you would deny him. And in that moment, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet when Peter denied him. Uh, Maybe Jesus could have just said, okay, that's it then, I'm not doing this. No, he died for him anyway. He died for you anyway. That's great, great news. So here's the deal. Even knowing you're still gonna fail, strive to endure. Don't give up because Jesus didn't give up. See, Peter failed Jesus. Jesus didn't fail Peter. He never failed Peter. And he never fails you or me. Uh, The writer of Hebrews says this, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he had just listed in the chapter prior to this, all these people of great faith. And by the way, all kinds of people with great failure. But since we're surrounded by them, let's lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, who didn't fail Peter, doesn't fail us, He's the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's the one who helps us get to the end. And it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. Do you know what that joy was? It was you. It was me. It was Peter. The joy in front of him was the fact that that he'd turn again. 
that by that work on the cross, he'd put an end to all those denials one day and all of that sin one day. And we'd all be able to come. It was for that reason, even despising the shame, the shame you feel when the times you deny him. Jesus felt it on the cross and he despised it as much as you do. He wept as bitterly as Peter wept. And he's seated at the right hand now of God. Uh, Consider him who endured for sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. When you feel like giving up, maybe right after you have, turn back and remember Jesus. He didn't fail you and he'll help you. As the worship team comes forward, let me read the closing words of of Jude, uh, one of Jesus' little brothers. He says, now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forever, amen. Peter failed Jesus, we fail him. He doesn't fail us. And next week we're gonna see him restore his friendship with Peter after his resurrection. And it's his resurrection that ensures that we're gonna make it. Friend, I don't know what's been going on in your life. I don't know maybe ways you failed or even you're on the edge of failing. Turn back. He loves you. And like Paul, I'm confident of this, that he who began that good work in you will complete it. He's not done with you. Amen? Let me pray.